Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, I'm here with my buddy cop Eduardo Encina as the Bucks get ready for their final game of the 2019 season, this one against the Atlanta Falcons. Ed, I'll just ask you, uh, when we look back at this, regardless of what happens Sunday, is this, a, is this a successful year for Bruce Arians in his first season? Well, I think you look at it a couple ways. One, you know, I think, you know, we, we kind of thought that this team would be, I think we both picked them as 8-8. Eight and eight, I, I think, think so, yeah. Um, at the beginning of the year. Shows before, our genius. Before the year, yeah. So, we can, <laughs> man, we're smart. That's right. But, um, but you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things you can look at the, on, on the positive front, obviously. You know, when you look at what this team was, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, there's they've made tremendous strides, especially in, in the second half, oh, yeah. specifically the past probably six weeks or so. Um, and, and, and now you have, you know, a lot of parts of the makings of a really good defense. Um, now, obviously, on that end, the other part of it is you got to try to keep some of these guys in-house. You've got to keep Shaq Barrett. You've got to see if you can keep, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul and, some other guys on the defense. Um, offensively, we still kind of sit there with the same questions. We know this de- this offense can move the ball, right? Oh, yeah. We know they can score points. We know they can, you know, pile up yardage. We know they have two of the best receivers in the game. Um, it all kind of comes down to number three and, and basically Jameis Winston and, and, and turning the ball over. I think that's kind of the question we entered the season with. We still kind of are, are asking ourselves kind of the, the same question with that in terms of where that lies in the future, in his future. And we'll all, all this stuff will kind of iron itself out in the next weeks and months. But, um, you know, I, I think when you're moving forward, I mean, I think everyone maybe within the, the, the coaching staff, the front office, maybe thought that this was a quicker fix maybe than, than what it really was. I, I don't know. We're not rebuilding, yeah, we're reloading. We're reloading. Yeah. The, the, this team was a playoff contender. I think when you really looked at it, you know, there, there's a lot of things at the point – that they weren't necessarily that close, and I think that's what we saw this year. But again, that offense—it's one of the best in the game. We've seen it pile up points. We've seen it; they can score on anyone for the most part. And it's—it's it's just them kind of shooting themselves in the foot consistently by turning the ball over. I thought that, that this season was always going to be a referendum on Jameis Winston. That that's what the whole year was about. It turns out it—it it, it still is in a sense, but it's also about something else that I didn't anticipate, and that is. Sort of what what will the defense become? Can Todd Bowles do anything with this young group? Because he had such a young secondary. Um, you know, they brought in Indomitian Sue to play next to Vita Vea, and you know, didn't know whether Jason Pierre-Paul would be back. I didn't have a whole lot of focus or hope. I think that's their biggest hope for next year, regardless of who the quarterback is. And I know that's going to be what all we talk about right. uh, going forward all the way until March. And it's not a small thing, right? I mean, the quarterback is the biggest part of this football team and any football team. But I do believe that if you if you want to be optimistic about 2020, it's what Todd Bowles has done. It's the improvement of guys like Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, who you wrote about. Um, you know, Dean and Davis are going to finish with the, the, the most pass breakups in the National Football League. Now, you'd like to see him have the most interceptions, but that's, that's significant in that Dean didn't really start until 
very late in the year, and, and, and Davis had drawn a lot of penalties early on, and, and then he just locked down DeAndre Hopkins. So to me, uh, you know, the key is going to be, and we, we talked to Bowles about this, and he'll be lobbying for it, is how many of those guys they can keep right. in that front seven because they were number one against the run. I don't think people predicted that. No, not at all. Sue was a big part of that. Vita Vea absolutely got better and, and turned it up and is a formidable player. Um, you did get, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul came back. Hell, he had three sacks last week. He seems to be getting better as the season's ending because he's in football shape. And then we don't know what's going to happen with Shaq Barrett. And I'm sure we're going to talk more about Jameis Winston in a minute. But to me, the big the big arrow up is about what they have put together on that side of the ball. Right, absolutely. And, you know, I think there's a couple things that you see here that are really good in terms of and, and the word we always use is culture, yep. but it's, it's probably not necessarily that. But, you know, one is the fact that when we talk about all those pending free agents, you know, you get the sense that they do want to be here. Yes. You know, Shaq Barrett, he's, he's said it a few times. I just talked to him today in locker room. And, you know, how much do you weigh how successful you are in a system? Right. How successful you are under a certain coaching staff versus the opportunity that you play your entire career for? which is the opportunity to test free agency. But you know that the situation you're in right now is a really good one. Yeah. So, and, and, and Shaq Barrett knows that. You know, I, I think you know, the, the Bucks have said, you know, he ain't going anywhere. Shaq said, I don't think I'm I going anywhere. Go anywhere. Yeah. I really don't want to go anywhere. Um, to him, moving is a big deal. You know, he doesn't want to do that again. Yeah. And so you know, and I think there is a general sense, whether it's Jason Pierre-Paul, we haven't really talked to Sue that much about it. Yeah. But – um, that, that these guys know that they've got a good thing together. Hey, let's try to keep it together. Right. right? The and then together. on the other part of it, too, is when we talk about culture, is the fact that these guys are really kind of in on it. You know what I mean? We talked about – I talked to Carl Davis for a story I'm writing today just about how we, we, we heard about Jameel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting and the rookies really getting into the film study, coming in early, really man. taking this seriously. You know, mm-hmm. and, and Davis talked to, I mean, about that, too, a little bit. He said, I never really thought of it – as being so important as it really is, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and as, as a second-year, first-year player, sometimes, you know, maybe you just need to get, get pushed you don't in that, always get that, in that direction, no, you know. You don't. And, and he was saying that now I'm basically – I'm a film junkie, he said, that the more you see it, the more you see how those – Translated. How those plays, watching them translate into your performance on the field – He's like, it's almost kind of like a drug. Yeah. It's like the more you see it, the more Give you me want more. it. Yeah. Give me more. Give me more. Yeah. And so we, we, I think when you combine those two things, those are two things that, that you can see that, one, guys like playing with each other, yeah. and, two, that they like working together. Yeah. And so when you see those two things kind of come together, I think those are the really two big things that you look at and you say, hey, this direct, this defense is heading in the right direction. You know, Obviously, Todd Bowles is going to get some looks, I think, Head, head coaching jobs, his name at least is going to be out there. Be out there, yeah. But you know, but at the same time, if you do bring in someone different, maybe he's not here, maybe he is. But that this group really likes being together and playing together. I think that's something that's really important, and it all is a byproduct of kind of the success that they've had over the past few weeks. They're all about the same age as far as the, that, that group in the secondary goes, and then you have a young guy, um, you know, that. Uh, Devin White, who was hurt at the beginning of the year, but man, he's he's turned out to be the playmaker they thought he would be, playing next to, you know, what is maybe the biggest underrated player in football, which is Levante David, that had yeah. a great year. Um, and then it's just a matter of how many of those guys up front they can keep. They, you know, and, and look, if you want Jason Pierre-Paul, does that mean maybe if Sue decides to play, you don't get him back, or you know, can you get Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul and Sue? Like it's it's going to be. 
you know, Carl uh, Nassib's a guy they like. It's going to be an allocation process. It always is. But they have plenty of money. They have $95 million. Um, but it's got, to, it's got to play itself out. And, and, and I think Shaq does want to be here. And I think that, um, you know, money is the biggest driver of free agency. But it's, it may not be the only one. So the Bucks certainly have – they have home field advantage. Let's put it that way. As far as, as, far as the quarterback situation goes, um, you wrote a story about, you know, Jameis on Sunday – he set a lot of records, and he's going to finish as the number one passer in the NFL. He's a chance to go over 5,000 yards. Not many guys have done that in their careers any given one season. And even Byron Leftwich said that is not when you start hearing things like first ever. Well, here's a first ever. If he throws two interceptions, he's the first ever guy to throw 30 and 30. That is not something you want to wear um, as, a, as a professional athlete. He said he's focused purely on just having that turnover-free game, which he's only done twice this year. But how much of a stain is that? And just you just wonder, like, they never could get that out of him this season. For all the excuses, for all the, hey, it's the first year in the system and the other guys are learning too and not every interception, I get all that. They could not stop this guy from turning the ball over. Yeah, and even when you saw, you know, he puts together a nice three-game stretch in September, then boom, London. Right, yeah. You know, he, he puts together a, a pretty nice stretch at the end of the season. Yep. Then boom, you have last week, you know. Yeah. And, and it, it's just... I guess that's kind of the big thing. It's like there was never really a steady like progression, which right, you, right. you want to see in quarterbacks, especially at that age, especially when you know you're trying to make a really big decision on their futures. You know, <laughs> the now, decision. Now this thirty thirty thing, it's 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 so fascinating, really, because you know we may never see a season like that again. You know, there aren't very many seasons will. seasons like that. You know, Lynn, Lynn Dickey, the Packers had, I think, was one interception shy. Of, of being 30-30 in 1983. That was an 8-8 team. Uh, that team threw a lot more than necessarily teams of that era. Yeah. You know, you've got a couple things at play. One, you know this is a high-volume offense. They pass the ball a lot. Now, they pass the ball a lot by design. They also pass the ball because of the lack of the running game. Um, but they, they pass the ball and they move the ball downfield. You know, one thing that in the same vein of the 30-30 we look at is how well Jameis has gotten throwing the deep ball. You know, he's much gotten better. much, much better at that. Yeah. That's why he's going to be there for, for 5,000 yards. Mm-hmm. That's why he's going to have three 30 touchdown passes. Right. But that's why he already has 30 touchdown passes. And this, now, his interceptions haven't really come on deep balls. No. A lot of them have come in the interme- intermediate and even short ra- routes. Right. Out patterns, quick outs, stuff like that. So right. you can't really equate that to that. But at the same time. The ball's in know, the air a lot. Right. There's a lot of passing attempts. Right. And, and, and at the same time. By though, design. Yeah, by design. And so. You've got the high volume. You also have the coaching philosophy, which is keep slinging it, which is just the, keep the, the Arians' just philosophy. Keep so, you know, he, he's not told, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't throw this <laughs> yeah. one. Just keep going, man. And <laughs> Let then, her rip. <laughs> and then the third thing, too, which, which why you really won't see this much is, like, the era. You know, like, yeah. there's just not that many guys who get to throw 30 no. interceptions. That's because, the biggest because thing. Because most of them get benched by that time. I think, I think since 1988 – or 98, I forget the number, but like past 12 years or something like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe this decade. I, I, you have to go back and look at the story on TampaBay.com. Right. But um, I think eight quarterbacks have as high of an interception rate as Jameis this year and started all 16 games. Now, some of those guys are guys who, you know, Eli Manning, Brett yeah. Favre, guys who were coming off of really good runs, had one of these crazy years where he just threw a lot of picks. Been in the playoffs um, and all that. Yeah. Some of them are young players. Like, I think – Peyton Manning is rookie year. Mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger when he was twenty four. Other guys are guys who just kind of did never panned out. Mark Sanchez, Geno Smith, 
Dave Brown. But for the most part, it just doesn't happen, right? right? And then you also combine this era, which is one where interceptions in general have just decreased in general. I think the interception rate this year across the league is something like 2.3. So it's down. 2.3. Down across yeah. the league. 2.3. Jameis is 4.7. Around the league, it's 2.3. Wow. So almost half, it is half, basically, of what Jameis' interception rate is. And you know, and it's much lower than those, you know, 83 with Dickey or yeah. uh, Terry, Terry Bradshaw in 1979 threw 25 interceptions and 25 touchdown passes. And won a Super Bowl. And won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Now, he also had the second-best rush defense, the second-best uh, overall defense. So he had some and other things working Frank for him. Harris and Rocky Black. He had some guys. Yeah. You know, so, um, so you know, th- there's so many things. But like I said, th- we may never see this again because – like I said, again, the interception rate's gone down, you know, incrementally every year. You know, we see we get see guys like Russell Wilson who, you know, never throw the ball away, uh, never you know never turn the ball over. Um, interceptions are down, but so to see a player now passing yardage is up, right? Sure. But the interceptions are down. So, but to see a guy who's throwing thirty touchdown passes and thirty interceptions, it's never been done. Again, it might never be done again. Well, and even if he does it, he won't do it again, and I'll tell you why. Because he's now got five years of this, and this was the year where Bruce Arians came in and said, you're the guy, we don't want you looking over your shoulder. Then Blaine Gabbert got hurt, so he sure as hell wasn't going to look over his shoulder at Ryan Griffin. But I'm here to tell you, because we saw it last year, Dirk Cutter wasn't going to let this guy throw that many interceptions. There was no way he'd get close to that. He benched him after four in Cincinnati. And, and it was several weeks before he came back again and finished. And, and one, of, one of the reasons why he did that was because Dirk Cutter was he needed to for win. his job. Yeah, he, he needed to win. He yeah. needed to win. Well, there's going to come a time when the Glazers are going to look at Bruce Arians and say, hey, it's cool what you did the first year going from you know five wins to seven or eight, but now we want to get into the postseason. And if it doesn't happen, then Dirk Cutter or then Bruce Arians is going to be looking for a new quarterback too. And I'm, I'm interested to see, first and foremost, whether he comes back. But Jameis Winston, no one's going to have this kind of rope on him after this year. i got to believe he's going to do everything he can to avoid that. He reads the papers. He listens to talk shows. He's very much aware of what his reputation is. And if he's not, if there's people around and, him who and, tell him. And plenty of them remind him, including us. And so I promise you, like he said on the podium after the game, and I thought he was – you made the comment too. He's like, Jameis was a little different after this mm-hmm. last game. It was a little more sort of, no, I have to do this or we don't win. I have, And I think, I think he's well aware of where he is in history. Uh, I think he's well aware of, you know, what, what that will do um, going into a, a free agent year. I'm still one that believes that there will be a team out there willing to give him $90 million if he ever makes it to free agency. Maybe I'm crazy, but Minnesota did it with Kirk Cousins, and I'm going to stick by that. But by the same token, I think Jameis – will do everything in his power not to throw two interceptions on on Sunday. Well, I really believe well, that. Well, when you look at it, and, and he's he's averaging 1.8, right? Yeah, so he's there. So he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's on pace to do it. Sure is. The Falcons intercepted him twice the last time they met, even though the Falcons aren't a team that... Including think, the first pass <laughs> of the game. Right, and, and, and the Falcons are a team, I think they only have 10 interceptions all year. All year, yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean... You know, we, we talk about the free agency of Jameis Winston. It's a fascinating one. We'll get into it way, you know, sure. m- much, much more as as we go along. And get closer Including to on it. Monday when we talk to Bruce Arians about it. And it's it. just it's, it's it's fascinating because, you know, when when you look at his his numbers, especially this year, on a you know, let's just look at this line, right? Yeah. 
the, the only thing that's bad is that interception number. And that's a big number. It's a huge number. But when you look at everything else, you're like, holy cow. You guys this, make plays. This I guy mean. does it. And the thing, too, is that the one thing that everyone talks about is that you can't find in many quarterbacks is that fearlessness. We talked to Dan Quinn about it today, and he was saying, I asked him, we asked him about how, you know, how do you, how do you wrap your head around, you know, Jameis Winston's season this year? And he was like, you know, I know the interceptions are up and stuff like that, but, like, the one thing I knew about him from Jump Street, from when the first time I saw him, is, is that he's going to – he has no fear. Yeah. That he's going to be competitive. He has no fear, and he's going to try to do whatever he can to beat you. And now that he's he's been able to throw that deep ball, he's got so he's got a real weapon, you know. And so teams see, teams are going to see that. and They you know, fear him. They fear it. Like, right. We talked to Rich Absolutely. McKay before the Atlanta game up there, and yeah. he says you – know, and, and he had had a few interceptions at that point. And yeah. then, of course, Mark uh, Trufant ended up getting him the first time he threw the ball in Atlanta. But before the game, we're talking to Rich McKay about it. And he says, the thing is, you just hope the guy doesn't make those unbelievable plays to beat you like he has beaten. He's probably he's beaten Atlanta more than any team he's right. played against. Right. And he's had really the best sort of touchdown-interception ratio against them than any other team. So if you're that team, you hold your breath a little bit, and you hope he throws you a couple, but you also hope he doesn't just make something happen that you go, holy crap, we can't stop this. Nice. This is unbelievable. And that's the talent part. That, that you sort of are always tipping the scales with this guy um, because so real, he has that. The real question here is, do you look at that one category and say, okay, we can either deal with that or we can we can change that and all the other stuff, it plays, they right? They all think or, they can change it. Or do you look at him as a human roulette wheel almost that, that basically you just never yeah, know what right. you're going to get week to week? Yeah. And can that play in the NFL? Can you win that way? You know, And, and so that's kind of the decision that a lot of teams – would have to make in free agency, but there's going to be a team that's going to look oh, at those numbers yeah, and say, "Yes, sir. Where do I sign up for that?" Right. They'll also say he played for the Bucks, and the Bucks, you know, gave away Steve Young, and he went to the Hall of Fame, and they gave away mm-hmm. Doug Williams, and he won a Super Bowl MVP. And we have a good defense. We have a good running. That's the other thing I want to talk about because these people, you people on Twitter, that keep hitting me up about this. I just want to because I asked Byron Leftwich uh, today as we uh, taped this podcast on Thursday, um, which is. Well, if Jameis just had a better defense, well, he does, okay? And they went on and they won some games. During this stretch, the defense played better. Look out. Look, he won. he's a winning quarterback. And it, gave him points, too. And, and, and scored. Yeah. And then the other one was, well, if they could just run the ball. But it's a horrible running team. He has no running game, blah, blah, blah. And that is true from a statistical point. The Bucks aren't very good statistically running the ball. They have a lot of opportunities to run the ball. The play action still works. Byron Leftwich finally said something that I've been trying to articulate that I haven't done a very good job of, which is, look, our two best players are Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I'm going to throw them the football. Like, that's the plan, okay? So this idea that, well, Jameis has to do everything, eh, we want him to do everything. The we other want him to get the ball because those guys – our, our offense. We have two of the best weapons in the NFL. Right. So why wouldn't we use them? So right? and, and, and we also have, secondarily, because we ask him about O.J. Howard and Cameron Bray. Their best players on offense are not running backs. Right. That's like their fourth best player. So you can put the ball in his hands and go, yeah, this is cool. We're getting four yards of carry, and maybe you'll break a long run now and then. Or you can say, let's take some chunk plays and have a five-yard drive and get in the end zone. That's a choice. And so for people that like are constantly like, well, 
yeah, you know, and it's the same, a little bit is true about the 5,000 yards. Like the, the yards thing, you can look at that a lot of ways too. Like if you're behind in games and you have to throw a lot, you're going to throw for a lot of yards, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win games. Yeah, it takes talent to do it. But they are trying to make huge plays. They don't believe in 16 play drives, you know. So this is what the NFL is under Jameis Winston and will always be. I think any team that sees his arm talent, that sees his ability to extend plays is going to – and if you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you by God better try to get the ball to them. And, you know, something that does play to, to Jameis Winston's evaluation here is the fact that in the past couple weeks when they've been without Mike Evans and when they've been without Chris Godwin – He's still racked up yards. Absolutely. He's found a way to find Brashad Perriman downfield. Look how good able, he looks. He's been able to find, you know, O.J. Howard on occasion yeah. for a long game. You know, so so as good as those guys are, and those are those guys are game-changing talents, best, best is that it says something for Jameis that he's able to still do it yeah. with guys who, who aren't those guys. Well, and I think that – I've always said this. Like, this, this, this period without Godwin, without, you know, having um, – you know, Mike Evans, was really an opportunity for Jameis. Absolutely. And it, and it played in his favor in Detroit when he absolutely had his best game maybe ever. I mean, he backed up a, a 456 game, which had some interceptions, and then went 458 with four touchdowns and one interception, using three touchdowns to Bashard Perriman. He made guys around him that are now back on the practice squad, right? Right, right. Like Ishmael Hyman. He, <laughs> I mean, that he threw him a critical he, he, he first throw, down He's throwing 30-yard bombs. The guys, we know we, we have to look we have at the, to look them up the scorecards, right? And Scotty Miller isn't playing, and all these. That that was that was the opportunity that Jameis took advantage of and said, you know what, I it's a I can make anybody watch this. I'll make it rain. It's like like the wedding crashers, you know, on yep. all state. Watch me, Jeremy. I'll, I'll make it rain out here. Um, and he did that. Now, okay, you pull back from that a little bit, and you go, okay, but you know, just just play with like understand. That the, that the deal is still to win the game. Because even in that game, it got within seven points, and it was a little hairy until, you know, Sean Murphy Bunting returns one for a touchdown. But understand that situationally, you have a good defense now. They play well. In the first quarter, you can't throw that out route, okay, late, and to a spot where it's just up high in the air. Yeah. If you're going to throw it, you better throw it to a spot down low where Watson has to dive to catch it out of bounds or whatever. But, like, now it's about – do you understand where you fit in these games to where you don't have to do everything? Just don't lose the game. Just go out and play. But don't make the mistakes that you've made in the past thinking you have to do everything. And I do think that's what he was trying to say this past week. I do too. Is that you Situationally. Know, it, was, it was that I need to not make mistakes to lose the game for my team. That's Which right. I think has been a little bit different than what he said in the past. It is. Which is, in the past, has always been, I need to get better. Right? Yeah. yeah. This is... I need to not make these mistakes that hurt my team. That's right. And, 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 and that's, you know. It's an awareness. That, that is an awareness that, that you have to give credit to to a 25-year-old guy who's been through this consistently. Yeah. Now, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing to think that, um, I don't know, I, I, I think it's, it's th- th- this whole season has been one that's really taken us on a roller coaster, right? Totally. But, but at the same time, you know, I do think we – it might sound weird to say. I, I don't even understand saying it coming out of my, my mouth. But I think we do have a better understanding of Jameis in a certain way, you know, in, in the sense of – I think it's something he's been waiting for. Yeah. 
I think I think he has to learn to trust right. the defense and the rest of the team that they will get him the ball back. But they've earned it. Look, he throws a pick and they don't score a touchdown. Hey, we got your back. Right. You know what I mean? Now suddenly he's sort of like, okay, now I'll have your back and I won't put you in this situation next right. time. It is a team game. It's the ultimate team game. Too much is on the quarterback. We all know that. But you know what? There's only 32 of these jobs out there, and only only 12 of them are going to make the playoffs, and he hasn't done it in five years. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You know, and that's the other thing that I wanted to, to discuss just real quickly before we go, is that... Sunday will wrap up what is the worst decade of football by the Bucks in their history. Let me repeat that. This is the worst decade of football from 2010 through 2019 that the Bucks have had in 44 seasons. And it doesn't feel like it maybe when you, when you stop and think about the 70s when they started 0-26, or you think about the 80s when Bo Jackson wouldn't come and you know, uh, the Lehman Bennett 2-14s, and, and they get rid of Steve Young and how horrible that was. Certainly by the time you got to the late 90s, Tony Dungy was here and they started to win some games. And then, of course, in 2000, they won a Super Bowl, but not much after that. No, this is the only decade where the Bucks never made the playoffs. Never. Not one time. The only decade that has happened. Um, they threw for the, 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 the uh, I, I believe they scored the most points, and they gave up the most points that they ever have. Um, they finished last seven times uh, in the NFC South. They only had two winning seasons. They had five head coaches. That's the most of any decade in Bucks history. Five coaches in ten years. Um, just an incredible amount of futility. You know, when you go for and the funny thing is, it started at ten and six with Raheem Morris thinking, okay, we maybe have this thing turned around. Then he got fired the next year after they went three and thirteen. This has been. A roller coaster ride, much like the one Winston has put him on for half of that decade. Um, but you had two franchise quarterbacks, not just him. It started with Josh Freeman, and he didn't make it, right? But you only had two GMs, Mark Dominic and Jason Light is still here. So it's been it's been incredible to think that, you know, we're gonna wrap up the decade on Sunday, and and you could be have a ten year old kid that has never seen the Bucks play a postseason game. I mean that that's a generational thing almost at this point. It has to get better. And I think, you know, we won't know what 2020 will bring until we get there, but there's nowhere to go but up. This has been gut-wrenching for Bucks fans. Their attendance is down 10,000 fans from where it was at the highest in 2016, 10,000 a game. I mean, there's so many, you know, things that Bucks fans have not been able to enjoy that, you know, you hope that, that better times are ahead, but, but man, what a, what a horrible decade. And to go eight and eight now suddenly would seem like okay, that's that's a big that's that's the third best record of the whole ten years, <laughs> eight and eight. I mean, I guess what it says is well, one thing that stands out to me is the coaches, right? I mean, the oh. thing is like it's just like uh, constantly reaching for a guy, right? And then you know he's out in a couple years, and just the lack of continuity. And 
the thing about when you look at the teams that are really good over a long period of time, that's what they have. They have continuity top to bottom, you know. And, and but it's really important to have continuity at the top. And and that's the continuity that this team's had over the past four or five years is James Winston. Yeah. You know, and so when the con- that continuity is is not necessarily consistent in itself, right? You know, they, well, they, they fired they, two coaches because of it. Right. In other words, always before I've said this, always before it was. If Jameis Winston doesn't play well and you don't win, we're firing the coach. Now it feels like if Jameis Winston doesn't play well, we're firing Jameis Winston. Yeah. Like it's kind of like, hey, this ain't on Bruce Arians. He's done this before. Right. You can't pin it on him. And the thing is, as as, as long as Bruce wants to be here, right, which um, we don't know. You know, it seems that he he can be here at least for the next what four years. Um, He's under contract. Yeah. So, I mean that that does offer continuity. And like you said, if. I'm not the big believer of seven and nine is any different than eight and eight. Like it, it looks better on, on in the, it does look better. It looks better in the in the football almanac and yeah, you're not the a media losing, guide. It's not a losing season. I mean, I, I more tend to look at the improvement of games. Yeah. Which whether it's two or three, whatever it is, that's still an improvement. You know, and, well, and in the NFL, was, that's what? significant. It was two and seven. What were they? Two and seven? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they were two and seven at after week ten. Yeah. Yeah. So they, uh, I mean, they that that's I think three three and well, they were two and six then. Three and, seven, three and seven, three and eight. I mean, yeah. look, it's a turnaround. They're going to wind up, if they win on Sunday, they're going to wind up winning like, I don't know, uh, like six out of their last nine games. Yeah, regardless. You know, which wherever, is a hell of a turnaround. Wherever they were, for them to be anywhere close they're to five 500 and, They're five and two out of their last seven. So yes. they would end up being, you know, six and two. They'd win six out of eight. Yep. So that's, that's, that's saying something. So that is improvement, and the arrow is up. And now you got to figure out a way – to get all these guys paid and see how many of them you can get back and move on. Um, we have no indication that Arians won't be back. I mean, he's under contract. I think he managed the whole, you know, health thing with Byron Leftwich. We don't know about Leftwich. I, I would say this, that in, in, you know, you mentioned um, I'd written this about Bowles, and, and I think he's going to get some interviews. I don't know for sure. But Bowles has most recently been a head coach, and it didn't go well with the Jets. Byron Leftwich, I think, might be a guy that some people may hire at age 40. I mean, he's still 39. He's going to turn 40 soon. Um, he only has one year in this offense. But if you had to lose somebody, and I know Jameis works very closely with him, and maybe you can't replace that experience as an NFL head uh, quarterback, but it's Bruce's offense, right? right. I, don't, I think they could find a way to, to survive Byron Leftwich if he were to leave. Yeah, and I think Bruce has said this, that he has, he's always kind of thinking – Ahead of like who's going to succeed this person? Guy, yeah. Who's my next guy? And and the reason he does that is because he wants to see those guys. Play. Yeah, he does. He wants to see Byron Leftwich get a head coaching job. Yeah, he does. He wants to see Todd Bowles get another chance. Mm-hmm. So um, he he does think about that obviously, and you know, but yeah, the schemes themselves, you know, are, are I, I think it would be more difficult to replace Bowles. I do too. In the defensive I do scheme, too. than it would be Leftwich because it is Arian system. I just think Bowles just has such. Like when you hear when you hear people talk about Bowles, he just has such a good grasp on every aspect of that defense that maybe other people would would puts so. guys in good positions. Yeah. And and, he, and the thing I look at is those coaches drafted and developed the players. They've all been these coaches have been together for so long. It's not there's not the you know it's like putting on shoes or a comfortable pair of jeans. They know what everybody's supposed to do and they do it. And and it works on that side of the ball. But you're right, it's not. The Bucks defense. It's Todd Bowles' defense. Right. Like it's Bruce Arians' offense. It's Todd Bowles' defense. Exactly. So you remove that, it's a little more difficult. So um, I'm with you. I've been most impressed by uh, by what their defense has done. So they play the Atlanta Falcons, who are an, who are a team that's hot right now. They they they've won three in a row. They got Devontae Freeman back. This will be a competitive game because 
We don't know what's going to happen to Dan Quinn uh, coming Black Monday. He, he certainly is a guy that you would think might be uh, might be removed. But then again, his team has played as well as Bruce's has down the stretch. And when they made the change to Raheem Morris and some of those guys on defense, they've gone four and two. So things have flipped around for them a bit. So I don't think either team is going to give an inch. I think this is going to be a pretty good game. I mean, the Falcons are a fascinating team just in the same vein as, as the Bucks. I mean, now when you look at the Falcons, you know, They've got some big wins. They've got some. They've got a win, a win over New Orleans on the road. A win over San Francisco on the road. Yeah. And I think in between those games was them losing to the Bucks yeah. in Atlanta, and they looked really bad that day. They did. You know, so you know they're kind of been even as they've been good, they've been inconsistent. Right. But obviously, getting those guys back, Austin Freeman, Hooper, Austin Hooper, yeah. guys like that helps. You know, I mean, yeah. Matt Ryan's playing better. You see, you're going to play better when you have your. You know, you sure. have all your tools, all your oh, toys, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, I, I think it'll be an interesting game. Both of these teams, I do, as, as much as seven and nine teams who are out of the playoffs have to play for, right. they both have a lot to play for, you know. And, yeah. and I think I, I think those guys want to fight for Dan Quinn. You know, Dan Quinn's a – he has a great reputation. I want to fight for Dan Quinn because he's one of the best guys we have in the conference right. call. He's great. He's great. Incredible. <laughs> he's fantastic. So it'll be a good game. It'll be the season finale. Uh, if you uh, aren't uh, busy returning your Christmas gifts or buying bottles of champagne for New Year's, come on out to Raymond James. Plenty of good seats available. I don't know who's going to want to come see two seven and eight teams play. Uh, normally the Falcons would bring a lot of people, but I don't know if that'll be the case this time. But it'll wrap up the 2019 season. We'll be back, of course, on uh, Monday to talk to Bruce Arians to uh, really get his thoughts and what will be probably an extended interview and we'll also have a chance to talk to the players on their way out of the locker room, see what their plans are for the off season and some of the free agents. But we hope you've enjoyed uh, the previews of these games um, every, uh, every every Friday uh, with my buddy Cop Eduardo and Cena. We'll do a lot during the off season as well. But until then, for Eduardo and Cena and Steve Versing, our producer, this is Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody, and a happy new year.